This is a Handshake Agency podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Green Room podcast on the Handshake Agency Network. Happy Friday, thanks for tuning in. Plugged this earlier in the week. Of course, the day to remember is Neil Westfall was on the show earlier. But today I am joined by one of my favorite comedians of all time. His name is Bill Burr. Uh, and he is on the show to talk about a virtual stand-up show that he'll be doing specifically for Australia and New Zealand tomorrow night. Head to themusic.com.au for all of the details. But yeah, Bill came on the show from LA, of course, on Zoom. Uh, to talk about the show, to talk about the last time he's in Australia, uh, as well as a bunch of other projects he's been involved in lately. The Mandalorian, of course, on Disney+, Plus, The King of Staten Island, uh, Chappelle's show was a big one. It was a lot of fun talking to Bill, and obviously there's a lot of laughs in this, so I apologize for the lack of me talking and just a lot of laughing. But here is Bill on The Green Room. For the very first time on The Green Room, Mr. Bill Burr. Bill, thank you for coming on, sir. Hey, what's going on, Neil? Thank you for having me. I feel like I like I was just saying. I feel like I I know that fucking room because I watch all your podcasts and you're always in that position. Yeah, I kind of I keep it. You know, you know. There's a lot of weirdos out there, so this is all you get. This is all. <laughs> this is all you get. I talk enough about my personal life, so I uh, you know I just have this background here. It's actually yeah. uh, works out pretty good. How how you doing over there? It's what what time is it in? Are you in LA right now? Yeah, it's six oh five. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks for coming on, man, because obviously this this show wasn't announced too long ago, and you told me, I'm what, am I the only interview you're doing for it? As far as I know, yes. I mean, I don't know. It, it all depends. It's a weird thing because it's a, uh, it's like a Zoom, whatever you call it, whatever your kids call it, sort of internet show. Mm. There's really no... Um, you know, like, fuck, I got to get front row seats. Everybody has a front row seat, which is what's really cool about it. This is the second one of these that I've done. And they're oddly a lot of fun. I can't explain. You can like, they have people's names and stuff and you can just talk to them. And it freaks them out. Well, so like, you mean like watching like this and you're like, hey, Michael, fuck you. Put the drink down. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I mean, I'm nice about it, but it's like they're sitting there watching like a it's almost like they're watching a special, but then all of a sudden the guy calls you by your name. <laughs> hey, where did the guy in the purple shirt go? It, it turns into a, it's a lot of fun. It's yeah. a, I mean, as much fun as you can have during a, a pandemic, but it looks like this stuff is hopefully coming to a close. Yeah. So I mean, tell me about this. It's called the Nowhere Comedy Club. Is that just a, a, a nickname for an actual club that you're doing this out of? No, it's, it's a garage. It's a guy's house in the valley and he just built like this studio in it. Wow. So I don't know how we came up with the name nowhere. I, 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 it might be the fact that you you you're in the middle of nowhere in the valley. Nobody has any idea that this place exists yet. You can broadcast to Australia, New Zealand, and stuff like that. So I don't understand how it works. I'm just glad uh, the guy figured it out, so I can you know, so I can do this. I mean, the last twelve months has been a, a crazy time, particularly for comedy, because you know you do drive-in shows, you do Zoom shows. Are you used to this now? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it took one show of of being in front of cars to then be like to just you just ears adjust like oh this is what killing sounds like now. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. The first night I did it, I was like. 
This is like, I felt like I was just doing my act inside of a closet or something. Um, then they did things. They started giving people like noisemakers and stuff, which before all of this happened would be unbelievably annoying. And one of the worst things that could happen to be give the crowd like noisemakers. And then that just acted with them. And uh, it's a weird thing where with stand-up comedy, you're always listening to the crowd, whether you're even aware of it or not. And after a while, it becomes this autopilot thing where you're you're speeding up and slowing down, getting louder, getting more quiet, less aggressive. You just feel more aggressive. You just you know you're just feeling that that's this push pull thing the whole time you're up there. So to not be able to hear him, that yeah, that was tough. But it just all just sort of adjusted to people in cars. So now it's like, oh, I can actually hear a muffled left. Oh my god, I'm killing. So is, is, is this, <laughs> this all... This is a great show. Somebody just flicked their lights at me. Well, that's it. Like, I'm doing this virtually. Like, even sometimes when I do this podcast, particularly over Zoom, it's the same shit. It's kind of like someone makes a joke and then there's an awkward glitch and a delay and then you'll hear them laugh. Is the technology right. up to speed with the stand-up shows? Yes. Well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, the ones that I've done where where... We've done that. No, there's been no, you know, a guy walks across the... It doesn't do any of that. They, they, I don't know what they have. Probably get brain cancer doing this show, but they have a great feed um, going in and out of there. No, I wouldn't do that to people, uh, you know. You know, this business is, you got to give people a show and you can't, you can't screw them over. So I don't, I don't foresee that happening. It's so good that you announced this show because, correct me if I'm wrong, the last time you were in Australia was 2015? At least... Has it been that long? At least here for work. Yeah, you know, I... I, uh, You know, I settled down and had a couple of kids and, um, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't miss the flight and the jet lag, but other than that, everything down there I loved. Like, I'm terrified of the oceans. It's the only oceans I've ever seen in beaches that make me go like i would actually go in that water what's hilarious <laughs> is you guys have all those sharks down there but um you know uh perth the little creatures brewery that's one of my favorite you know australian beers you just cannot get it out here although i did quit drinking yeah the last time i came there i i came in on australia day and oh, landed shit. in perth yeah i landed in perth that was a shit show and i was just like all right these guys got some these guys got some American blood in them. I thought I only saw <laughs> people this hammered being this stupid in America. So I, I immediately felt at home and I was, it's kind of funny to see something like that and be like, oh, nice. Okay. I like these people. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I was listening to your podcast when you announced it on Monday and you said mm-hmm. like, just as you get acclimatized to the Australian time, you've got to fuck off back to America. Does it set in like towards yeah. the end of the trip? Getting over the jet lag, you mean? I well, yeah. It's just it's it's pretty much the harshest one that I've done as far as like you guys are like fourteen hours ahead of me. I mm, think so. Yeah. Going there isn't bad. The flight there, it's the flight coming back. For some reason, flying there, I usually leave at like four o'clock in the afternoon, have a meal, watch two movies, fall asleep. You know, if that I've killed like four or five five hours and I sleep for eight hours, willing, God willing. And then I just got like 90 minutes and then we land and then I go, Oh, it's easy. I feel great. And then like around 11 AM, I just like, not even 11. I don't know what it is, <laughs> what, whatever time it is there. Um, I just like fall asleep. So it's, it's, uh, but you know, it takes about four days, about four right. days 
But the tours I've done there have pretty much been like, tonight you're in Sid- Sydney, then Melbourne, then then Perth. So it's just bam, bam, bam. So I'm kind of blowing through the country. And then right as I get acclimated <laughs> and I'm going to hang out and see a city, it's like, all right, time to go. And then you <laughs> end up flying back. So I think the last time I was there, I did Australia, New Zealand, and then I went up to Singapore, Hong Kong, and Mumbai, India. Right. And uh, And then from there flew to New York City. I actually literally flew around the world on that tour. And that was the last like really big sort of uh, as far as travel miles and all of that. Mm. Um, but it was a, uh, you know, I'm a huge ACDC fan. So, you know, I got to see, you know, Bon Scott's grave, pay my respects. And um, and just, you know, I don't know I got a friend of mine who's actually opening for me on this Al Del Benny who married an Australian woman and lives down there now. Uh, we started out in Boston together. So um, he's actually going to be opening for me on this Zoom thing. But like, I try to work with him when I get down there because obviously I don't get to see him. But um, I don't know. This, the old man in me enjoys the fact that I don't have to fly there. <laughs> you know, it's just to travel. But everything else is like, oh, man, you know, the people are funny. The food's great. And it's just, you know, New Zealand's another great time. But uh, it's just... It is what it is. It's a pandemic. So I got to do, do it how I have to do it this time. Yeah. Hearing you talk about the show as well, you, you sound very excited. And you said, you said the actual quote was, you don't believe how hard I'm going to go. Is this all new material? And is it all just going to be you just getting angry at the world? Or maybe Australia? Uh, no, it's definitely all new material. I won't be angry at Australia. I'll be psyched that you showed up in your living rooms, <laughs> uh, in your apartments, whatever. Um, and as far as me... No, I am not as angry as I used to be. I kind of, <laughs> I don't have the misdirect and anger. I, I still have the temper, but I have uh, done, a, uh, done a lot of work on myself in a good way. And I was always sort of nervous in the back of my head, like, oh, if you do that, then you won't be as funny. And it's not true. What you can actually do is add all this other depth to what it is you're doing. If you just walk around angry, it's a lot of this and this and that thing and that thing. And then once you get inside yourself, expose your flaws and stuff like that as you're yelling about that stuff you can still make fun of yourself um and it i don't know it's a lot more interesting to do it this way than the way i was doing it i'm just so glad you recovered from that crazy backlash of the 2021 grammys jesus christ i'm kidding by the way that was no most of most of the chatter is people saying cancel culture is ridiculous so everybody's talking about something that's not necessarily happening a lot of the times oh now they're trying to do this or now they're trying to do that and you know it's like uh oh they're banning this book uh and it's just like they're they're not they're not you can still get the book you can still do all of these things i think it's it's really the internet's really weird where people completely flip out and get worked up over little stupid things and then completely ignore major things. Like, uh, what did I see recently? Scientists said by 2050, um, the amount of plastic in the ocean is going to outweigh the amount of fish. I think that's a little bigger than uh, a Dr. Seuss book. (laughs) I might be wrong. I don't know. I just think, I think there's a comfort in flipping out about little things than actually stepping back and looking at this big thing, like being like, they're going to figure this out. Right. Cause I'm too dumb to figure this out. They're going to figure, they're going to, 
somehow vacuum up the oceans. The uh, Great Barrier <laughs> Reef is dying. They're, they're going to figure this out, right? The funniest part with the Grammys thing was you called it. You made the joke that people were going to come after you, and then people complained that you made a joke about them complaining. Uh, yeah. It makes no fucking yeah, sense so to I, me. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe it was my fault for doing that. I probably shouldn't have said anything, but, like, um, I, all I can tell you is I had the best time, and I was, like, really thinking, like, to be honest with you, this is what happened. You get nominated for an award, right? And then they go, do you want to join the organization? And in your head, you're like, no. But you're like, well, I want to win. I don't want to piss these guys off. So, yeah, I'll join. <laughs> you want to present? No, I don't want to present, but I want to win. So I'm like, okay. And I just kept doing that shit. And then I had like a panic attack before I went in there because I thought I was on the real show. I thought I was at the Staples Center with the guy from uh, the new show there, uh, Whatever, the host, right? <laughs> and then I, I showed up for the rehearsal and I'm like out in Burbank. I'm like, why would they have, I mean, let's see if we were a month out and this is sort of some, you know, to scale size of what we're going to do. I'm like, and then I realized, I was like, oh shit. And I said to the lady there, I was going like, uh, hey, is this going to be uh, on TV? And she was just going like, these are the Grammys. These are the Grammys. I go, yeah, but is this portion going to be on TV? She goes, this is all part of the Grammy presentation. She would not answer the, she was like a politician, would not answer the question. I was like, oh shit, is this on the internet? Is it, is what I am on being broadcast on the internet? And she goes, yeah, it is. And then I just started laughing because I spent all this money on the suit. And then I just had the best, I had the best fucking time after that. I had a great time making the crew laugh and the, uh, the two people that were presenting before me were, and, and the woman after me were all cool. We just laughing, joking around. We had a great time. And, um, now, you know, um, you know, if they ever if I'm ever lucky that they ask me again, I would almost request to be on the internet version of it because that's where the fun is. You get on the TV telecast, it's just like that's on network television. You can really get in trouble on network television. You know what I mean? Mm. Um over here we got like three old school channels that are left, ABC, NBC, and CBS. And those are the ones, you know, if you're on cable. There's a different set of rules. If you're on like, you know, streaming, there's almost no internet. There's no rules. But you stay on those old grandma, grandpa channels and you go out there and, you know, I mean, they, they, they you know, it's funny to me that people always get surprised when they get in trouble on, on network television. It's just like this has been happening forever. So if you're going to go out there with your ass hanging out, shaking it in the in in the camera, you know what's going to... I refuse to believe that they don't understand that that's going to happen. I just think it's one of that, you know, any publicity is good publicity. So like in the, the main room had like, you know, your Beyonce's and your Taylor Swift's. What was like the caliber of celebrity in that second room Me. in Burbank? You. Me. <laughs> <laughs> A non-musician. That's the reality great. is, is I had no business being there. To begin with, the fact that they, they found a loophole that a comedian can win a Grammy <laughs> is you just put your shit jokes on a record and then you qualify. Somehow you call, even if you can't sing a note of music or even play a kazoo, you somehow still qualify. So the whole thing is, is there's something hilarious about it. Dude, Chappelle, so, Chappelle is a three-time Grammy Award winner now. He won the last three years straight. Well, he's so good, they should do that. So, but I mean, you know. <laughs> I'm just saying for someone like me. This is a good segment. What's up with cell phones? And the Grammy goes too. 
<laughs> you know, that I, I could walk up to Herbie Hancock. Yeah, I got one of those too. <laughs> that actually does remind me because considering the shit show that 2020 was, it probably wasn't a bad year for you as far as careers go because, you know, you had the King of Staten Island, you had the Mandalorian, you debut hosting of SNL. I had a lot SNL. of stuff in the bank that was coming out. Right. Now the well has dried up. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully uh, things open up soon or I... Oh, Billy fades away, I think. It wasn't for podcasting. Can you tell me about the SNL? Because that yours, Chappelle's, and probably Eddie Murphy, I think, were the three standout shows for SNL in 2020. Did you have a lot of fun doing that, or is that just a lot of unwanted stress? Uh, Once again, it was something I I had a panic attack before I went in there. My wife talked me off the ledge, and then I just said to myself, I'm not going to put my wife through this, you know, threatening suicide for the whole friggin' week, basically. <laughs> Not literally suicide, but, you know, that's a lot of energy for someone to be like, no, you are good enough. <laughs> do that for seven days. And then they head to like, Jesus Christ, don't do the fucking show, right? So I was just like, all right, it's tomorrow's Monday. They don't tape till Saturday. So there's no reason for me to be nervous the next five days. Why don't I go in there and just have fun? I'm a huge fan of the show for almost 40 years. Why don't I, you know, and then I went in there in that mindset and then I sort of started talking shit to think positively. And, uh, you know, guys were like, you're going to kill on that show. And I kept going, I am, I am going to do that. And, it, and it, it made me feel good. And it got me out of the self-loathing, stupid comedian thing. And I ended up having a great time. And I had so much fun that when it came time to do the show, I wasn't nervous. I just went out there, you know, my monologue didn't do so well in, in, in the, the, the pre-tape. And then Lauren gave me great advice. He goes, listen, people don't know who you are. I know you have your fan base as a comedian, but nobody knows who you are that watches this show for the most part. So why don't you go out there and and at least say hello? Nice to be here, blah, 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 blah. And that was, I'll never be able to repay him for saying that because I think that's the reason why the monologue works so well. Mm. And I just never, it was like, I was four jokes in and I was like, oh shit. This is going, this is going great. And then I, and I felt loose and I was screwing around. I did, where's the camera? And I thought about it afterwards. Like, oh man, I was just acting like I was in a club and I was uh, so relieved because that was such a, um, a huge comedy thing in in our country that that show is that you want to be part of the history and you just don't want to be like, yeah, I did that. You want to, you want to do something worthy you know, of the show. And I, all I knew, knew I just had to get through the monologue because then after that, you know, those kids on that show are so damn good that, you know, you're going to be surrounded by a bunch of pros in these sketches for the, uh, for the rest of the show. And, you know, and they don't want you to bump unless you're an asshole, probably, <laughs> <laughs> which I try not to be. So I ended up having like, I had a great time. I had a great time and, and I left there. I had no regrets. It was the way I just had the greatest feeling of satisfaction when it was over. There wasn't that, you know, that post of like, oh, now it's over. Nobody's calling me. I'm not special. They're going to move on to somebody. I I didn't have any of that because I I got everything I could have possibly gotten out of that. And uh, I hope I do that every time I have a big gig. I'll be doing that next this Saturday night (laughs) on the Internet. (laughs) <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, have you ever been in talks or wanted to be a part of the SNL writing team or main cast? Have you ever been in discussions for that? 
Uh, no, I haven't, right. but I always wanted to be like, and it, there's, I don't think there's any stand-up comic out there that didn't ever think about being on that show and killing on the show. And, um, if you, if you grew up watching it in the States, if, if it was, it's just like a big thing, you know, like there's certain things just as a comedian, like I remember growing up watching comedians do panels, panel on talk shows, sitting there and the guys that would come out there and they would just be killing and make the host laugh and everything. That was a huge thing. That was a huge part of being a comedian when I was growing up. It wasn't just coming out there, stand on the mark and do your five minutes of jokes and say hello. Like that was the beginning. But the next level is you went over there and you you built a rapport with the host and the host got to know you and you got to know him. That happened with me and like Conan and Andy. Like they we just got to know each other. So they knew my rhythm. I knew their rhythm. And those guys are like such old school guys where it's like if you're killing, they let you go. If they see you need help, like I can't tell you how many times Andy and Conan have saved me in those those interviews. And, um, uh, you know, that that was just something I wanted to get good at and, and being on SNL and hosting it, which I have to be honest with you, every year that went by that they didn't ask me, I was always relieved as much as I wanted to do it because it just like the thought of it, it was just so huge. Because it was something, it was probably because it's not a newer show. It's something that I saw when I was a kid. So, you know, if you ever went on that set, you cannot believe how small the set is. You're like, all of this history happened from here to here. That's, uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, you just mentioned that as well. The talk, the talk show stuff. When I'm watching you on on your Kimmels and your and your Fallons and your Conans, you seem the most comfortable on Conan. But what do you mean when you say you think Conan saved you? So do you mean because like you're saying something that people are going to be pissed off about? Um, no, I never think about that. By the way, I never think about that. I'm gonna. I'm just trying to. I'm listening to the crowd, just trying to make like he said. Where it's just like you know, you're out there, you're riffing, just riffing, 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 and when it's but saving, it's it's starting to nose down. This is over. Hey, let me let me let me friggin' lob another one over the net for you. So he knows. Both of those guys, I feel like, I mean, they all do, but like those guys are the ones that I start out with. They know when to, they, they feel it starting to dip and they know that keep it here and up and it's going to be a good interview. So they know when to, to come in mm. um, and they know when to let you go. And, and it's, uh, then you can relax like, oh, okay, I got these guys holding me up out here. This is, this is easy. Yeah. You did that one with Fallon. I think it was a Christmas one. And you even actually said that to him, fun. you're like, I don't, I knew you like that card is useless to you because you could tell Fallon was trying to work with the card. It was well, well too late for that. It wasn't going to happen. I know. I miss Jimmy. I actually got to do called in and did his show. That, that guy, <clears throat> I've known him so long. I remember him asking me what it was like to be on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Was it without even before SNL? He didn't have to ask me that long because he asked me that. And I swear to God, what what I was doing got canceled. And I want to say within a year, he was on SNL. It was unbelievable. And uh, yeah, and he was always that nice of a guy. And it's, it's funny how like negative and mean the world is that so many people get upset that he's a nice guy and wants to make sure people are having a good time. Like, it's like getting mad at Santa Claus. Like I just don't know. <laughs> this guy just brings. Yeah, he's just always been a great guy, and he deserves everything you know that that he has. 
You sticking with stand-up pretty predominantly. Trevor the- Noah. Oh, Sorry. shit. The, the Grammy. I couldn't host. remember. the. I, I'm the worst. Do you know I've been eating vegetarian this month, trying to, and I just got—I just ran out of ideas, so now I'm back eating meat. But um, it's funny—I never get sick eating chickens. But it's just—I, for the life of me, could not remember parsnips. Every time I went into the grocery store, I'd be like, "Parsnips, parsnips," and then every time I would think about them, rutabaga. I kept thinking rutabaga, and it went back to Al Del Benny one night was doing a joke. Him and his friends, Bobby Kelly and Dane Cook, they just said, all right, you got to go on stage and somehow make Rutabaga funny. For some reason, I never forgot that. <laughs> I don't know. So I have this thing where, I don't know, my memory's going on me. No, it's good. This will be good for Saturday. Okay. Yeah, great. After the break, Bill talks about some of his TV shows, including The Mandalorian and Looking Back at Chappelle Show. Hi, everyone. Beth Privatelli from the GWS Giants here. I'm an Aussie rules diehard, but you won't find a better sports podcast than the take with NRL legend Willie Mason and some bloke called Ian. Join Willie and that other bloke every week as he takes you through everything happening in the sports world and sorts your tips out. GWS for the win, obviously. Check out all episodes of The Take presented by the Handshake Agency Network via thepodcasts.com.au. Yeah, you've you've stayed in, in stand-up pretty predominantly over the years. Obviously, you've, you've done TV and film. But I remember I was watching actually the last time you were on Rogan and you guys kind of talked about there were certain comedians who went into film and kind of stopped stand-up because they were getting too big, like your Steve Martins, your Eddie Murphys. Do you think, like, what is it about that? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me, the idea of like, oh, more people think you're fucking hilarious. I'm going to stop now. What, what's the idea behind that? Oh, there was money in it back then too. Right. There was money in um movies i mean if you were a character actor you could make a really good living and um now you know with just these black holes of media conglomerates that just are vacuuming up content anything that they can have and nothing has like a shelf life um it's it's just sort of changed and i think you know once you're like a movie star and you did all of those fucking gigs and you played all the hell holes and all of these places and you're sitting in this nice house, you're married, you got a couple of kids and you don't want to miss them growing up. The amount of time that doing movies takes and you're going to add a stand-up tour and building your act up again, it's, it's a lot to ask of uh, one person and... Uh, you know, and then that point you start getting writers and then you start drifting away from your voice and stuff. It's a very difficult thing to do, to do, I, I would say, to do both of those. You, you can do a movie, do an acting gig, but, um, you know, when I, I did that Staten Island thing, I was in the clubs as much as I could um, over the summer in New York. And... Um, Cause I knew, you know, I know like, that's my, that's my thing. That's where I'm supposed to be, but I love acting too. And, and I kind of love it the way I love stand up too. So it's just like, I just try to get better with each acting gig that I get. Um, and I just try, I don't really do the acting thing for money. I just sort of, if something's interesting and it looks like it could be great, you know, it's like, all right, I'll, I'll try to get in on that. And then there's other times I just fall into stuff like uh, the Mandalorian thing where that was John Favreau um, 
when him and Rick Famuyiwa wrote um, um, my the, the the character idea, they had me in mind, and um, so that wasn't something that I was just like, oh, that looks cool. I didn't even know I I was not in that world. I was, you know, I watch a lot of old movies and sports and stuff like that. So I'm so thankful that those guys, you know, thought of me because I ended up getting into this thing that I knew was cool. I had no idea how, I had no idea how cool it was until uh, the first episode I did that first season. And, and, and John was like, Hey man, check out the, uh, check out the trailer, you know, and I was standing up on the scaffolding and they had this thing. I forget what they, I always forget what they call that set, but you were surrounded 360 degrees by these giant TV screens. Right. And as, as I move, talking to you in the scene, the background moves. Like the first time you're in that scene and the other actor starts moving and the shit behind him starts moving. No, you know what it is? The camera moves. That's what it is. The camera moves and then the shit in the background moves. And dude, you almost almost feel like you're falling falling over. But anyways, I was in that thing and he showed the trailer of that first season. And And it reminded me of like the Clint Eastwood spaghetti westerns that i grew up on except it was in space and i was just like oh my god and then then i felt stupid because the whole week uh, i mean i knew it was cool i didn't know it's actually better that i didn't know it was as cool as it was gonna be because then i I probably would have been overacting you know (laughs) is is it true that shit is it true favreau called you up because he heard you trashing on star wars and thought that's fucking hilarious and that's when he got you in mind for that character no, but it is true because when he asked me <clears throat> to be in it, um, I was out to dinner. It was a mutual friend of ours' birthday, and he was there. And uh, how the hell did it happen? He, he, I said to him, I said, he said, well, you know, we got an idea. This bounty hunter guy where we have you, we picture you in the role. Would you want to do it? And I was like, John, I got to admit, man, I, I, I've been making fun of Star Wars <laughs> And it, you know, to be honest with you, it wasn't like I was making fun of Star Wars. Like I hated it. It was I was just doing that comedian thing. I saw something that people really loved, so you make fun of it. <laughs> and there's a lot of fucking plot holes in Star Wars too. There's plenty to insult about it. There's a lot of plot holes in me. You know, there's a lot of plot holes in my act. I'm not going to get on people for fucking plot holes, but so that's really where it it it's now now growing this whole myth, like a lot of things do that like. I always hated it. It it was I was just making fun of it because it was held up so high. It's the same reason why I make fun of Oprah or Obama's <laughs> wife. It just it's just it's just, it's as a comedian it's just teed up for you to just smash it out of there. And but then the thing is, is there's people who really don't like the thing so they get a kick out of talking to their, hey, he's making fun of that fucking show you like, you know? <laughs> So that's what it really was. So I just said to him, I was like, you know, I was going to be honest with you. I've been really making fun of this show. And he goes, I know. I listen to the podcast. He goes, I think it would be hilarious. I think if the people listening to your podcast would find it funny that you were in it. And I was like, really? And then my <laughs> wife like elbowed me. And I knew that what I mean. They meant shut up, stupid, and just say yes. So this unwritten thing. So I said, all right, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. Yeah. And... uh I was nervous going in there because I didn't know what it was going to be like because, you know, those first three are very much for the kids. 
And uh, which, you know, I'm not against doing that. I was just worried if I could pull that off. And then I went in there and I met Rick Famiwa and he's like, all right, I'm kind of doing like this reservoir dogs thing meets a, meets a something else. And I'm like, all right, I love this guy. And, um, and he just has a way of running the set. This, the way he commands the set is really, really, really cool. Everybody knows he's in charge and he never has to raise his voice. It's like, it's like, martial arts it's amazing mm. like because you know people get their ideas oh, i was in this i was in that and he just goes yeah what does he always say he just goes all right all right now all right and then we all like, oh that's right it's rick set <laughs> <laughs> he says something like that it's it always cracks me up i'm just like he just put everybody you just reminded everybody oh that's right i'm just an actor <laughs> i forgot <laughs> did you go in cold to the mandalorian or did you force yourself to now okay i've got to watch all the star wars now no i, I went in cold I, I went, well, I mean, it was a new show too. So, and then everything was secretive about it. So there wasn't much research if I was going to do it. Um, but I, I know the basics. I know the basics. I saw the first three. I saw the Jar Jar Binks one. And then that's where I just sort of tapped out. Like I'm, you know, I'm too old for this. And then uh, I saw the one with Adam Driver. I saw that one on a plane. And I liked that one. Um, and... Yeah, so I, but I, I didn't know where his fit in. Because now they're doing like all of these, like, it's amazing. It's almost like comic books where there's just some little guy sitting in the background and has two lines <laughs> and then they just develop that person and it becomes a whole nother offshoot. I think that, that that aspect of like how much content is out there is really cool. Um, so, yeah. It's interesting. Like I was talking to some friends about <clears throat> this podcast and saying you were coming up and I'm assuming that the majority of people in the U.S. know you from your stand-up. A lot of people in Australia who love your comedy know you, but I know a bunch of people, oh, you're from Breaking Bad, you're from Mandalorian. One of the big ones was, oh, he was in Chappelle's show, wasn't he? But that was kind of like, that was literally 20 years ago now, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, coming up on it just about. I think 03 is when I, I started on that thing, yeah. Do you have many memories like from that show? Yeah. It feels like a lifetime ago, but I remember it. I remember it, yeah. Were you and Chappelle friends at that time? Did you know each other well? Not the way we know each other now, but he was more, it was just the weirdest dynamic where in my mind, he's always been older than me because he's been doing it longer than me. But he started when he was like 15 or 16. So he's actually, he's like five years younger than me. But there's something about him. He's like an old soul. And because he's been doing it longer than me, you know, he was somebody that I looked up to. And it's so funny, man, because I remember he said to me, you know, he gave me a really nice compliment when I was at the the, the uh, comedy cellar when I was, you know, on my way up. And he just said, he said, your, your, uh, your point of view is so fucking dope. If you just stick with what you're doing, it's going to take you longer to hit. But when you do, you're going to hit really hard. And, you know, I've told that story a million times. I lived off of that conversation for years on the road after that. <laughs> he was right. It took a while mm. for me to get there. But um, but then, like, I kind of had his respect because he, he saw me and he, he liked my act. So when he got the show, there was... Uh, um, a part in there. I think it was the Law and Order sketch was the first one that I did. Yeah, I, that yeah. I don't remember. 
Yeah, that one I don't remember. Like what, if that was the first, that part I don't remember which was the first one I did. But I did a sketch for them, and um, um, that's when I, I got to know Neil Brennan. He was directing them. I remember in the Law and Order sketch where they had me slam my hands down. Neil just kept making me do that over and <laughs> over and over again to the point it was this metal table. And I didn't know as an actor, you could be like, yeah, you know, that's like, you know, 18 takes my, I, uh, my hands hurt at this point. Do you got like a hand bandaid here? If this, they put these in ice. Um, but like, uh, that show, like some of the first cuts of those sketches that I saw, you know, but they couldn't quite do it like that. That first cut of that law and order sketch. Oh my God. It was, it was, it was still hilarious what they put out, but that first cut, the way that they did it, um, and the white dudes in prison, and the black guys out golfing, and he's laughing, and what the white guy was going through, they made it funnier. Mm. But they did it for real, and I, I, of course, I liked the first one, and it really was a statement of, uh, of, um, you know racism privilege and the in the prison system like the whole fucking thing i just watched it i was like whoa like i i would laughed and in the end there was like this prior moment i felt richard prior moment in the end where he he made you think um and then of course you know the suits looked at it and they're like okay <laughs> not saying we don't like <laughs> probably did the usual but we do have to sell some product so <laughs> The the Chappelle show coming back to do a new season with Netflix is that room has been going for as long as Eddie Murphy's coming back to comedy as well, and I think that last special he did where he was telling Netflix to get Chappelle show off. Apparently, the rumors are that's their way of now meeting at a point where they'll start making new episodes. But I don't know. Chappelle seems like he's got enough on his plate right now. Yeah, you'd have to ask him. If mm. I had to guess, I, w- I would say that 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 is done. But mm. you never know. You never know. I mean, they bring, they brought uh, Saved by the Bell back. <laughs> I forgot that. Holy shit. I mean, you bring that one back. I mean, you can bring anything. And they got the cast. I remember they brought back 90210 and it was really good. Everyone's saying the new season of Saved by the Bell is not bad either. And they're doing fucking Mighty Ducks with Emilio Estevez. Oh, wait, Karate Kid. Karate Kid was unbelievable. Cobra Kai, right? Cobra Kai, yeah. yeah. The, yeah. The, what they did with it. You know what it is? It's the same thing with like Favreau is it's like fans got a hold of the story and all this shit that they wished happened. <laughs> and they have like, like John Favreau's passion for the star Wars world is like, you know, is it's like whatever the thing you care about the most, like this guy is just so invested in it. And the the people that did uh Cobra Kai bringing back the karate kid like you can tell when you're just watching it, like how invested they are. They love it. Mm. They love this. So when you love something, you're going to take care of it and you're going to want to make it better. And I think that that's, that's what's happening with a lot of this stuff. So I don't know. There seemed to be, there was like a 10 year period where they were doing remakes and reboots. It just fucking sucked. And like in the last couple of years, they seem to have found a lane like Cobra Kai. I haven't seen Saved by the Bell, but apparently that's fucking good. And yeah, they're doing another right. Mighty Ducks now. <laughs> with the like, apparently, all, everyone is coming back, or has come back. I think they filmed it. Yeah, it makes no fucking yeah. sense to me. They were they were shooting that up in Vancouver. Some of the people from uh, 
that came out, came out to my show. I got to meet Emilio Estevez, which was awesome. He came out to the show, like one of the nicest people I've ever met. And uh, he was mentioning that they were bringing that back. So that's cool. And I got kids now, so, you know, they can redo that and I can, I can have, uh, you know, I can have my kids watch it. Do you, like as someone who loves old cinema as well, you mentioned before, do you, do you like or want to see more of these remakes? Even like sequels, like I think they just greenlit Beetlejuice 2 earlier this month. Well, you know, I mean. I mean, I know what you thought of the new Dumbo. I saw that kind of interview. Oh, the new Dumbo. Yeah, I messed up. I didn't know that that was going to be the, was that Wes Craven or something? No, it was Tim Burton. Tim Burton, sorry. Mm. It was one of those guys that makes shit for adults. Yeah, I brought my kid there thinking it was going to be like Disney's Dumbo. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, dude. Like that stuff is like, I'm not in that world, the world of like rebooting and stuff where, you know, where I'm at is, uh, you know, I do podcasts, I do stand up and I basically, I act when they let me. You know what I mean? Um, And when they do, I just try to know my lines and do the best I can and not be a pain in the ass. And hopefully they'll use me again because I I, I really do. uh, I really do enjoy it. All right. I'll I'll let you go. I got one more question for you. You know, it's just, that just came to my mind because of what you mentioned earlier about what Chappelle said to you. And I think you've mentioned this on your podcast as well. I kind of feel like in 2021 with fucking Twitter and cancel culture and all this shit, you, Chappelle, and maybe even Ricky Gervais seem to be the only comedians who either don't give a fuck or seem to avoid the cancel culture bullshit. Always, people are always going to complain, but in no way has it affected you guys or you have to stop and issue an apology on fucking Ellen. Like, it, that, you guys seem to have avoided that. And as you just said, what Chappelle told you, like what you do and the way you do it, I think completely combats cancel culture. Well, I think it also helped. I'm just speaking for myself that mm. I don't have a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have a cartoon, but it's, it's like, but animation's like a different thing. I think the thing about it is, is when you get tethered to something that has advertising, they, they know how to complain and who to complain to. And then what ends up happening is, it's like, listen, man, you know, you're starring in this thing. There's a hundred people's jobs are on the line. Can you just figure out a way to apologize to these bullies so they'll just leave us alone? And it becomes, you know, it's, it's a, uh, I think at this point, I don't even think people are offended as, as much as it's become a new genre of entertainment. It's the, uh, you know, you remember everybody was trying to do the water bottle, throw it up in the air and have it oh, yeah. land. Yep. It's in, it lives in that world. <laughs> planking, throwing the water ball yeah. up in the world, trying to get somebody who's making their dream come true, trying to end their dream is basically <laughs> what it is. And then, and then the, my favorite part is then they can never, never do their dream again. No. We're going to take your dream away and then you can never try to rebuild your dream even though people get paroled from prison every day who've done things way worse than most of these fucking people. I mean, you know, I've, I've seen somebody get canceled for making an analogy that people didn't agree with. It's just like, it's, it's, uh, you know, it is, it is what it is. But I mean, I think this is a time. I don't think this is a time to like shrink away from that stuff. And I think in, in the, in the future, there's going to be a tremendous amount of shame um, 
and uh, uh, about the behavior of these people and what they did. There's going to be a documentary about innocent people that got caught up in this shit. Because, you know, it's like a lot of things. It started off, what they're trying to accomplish was right. But it, then it just quickly, it gets just gets grabbed by the masses and then everybody applies their own theory to it. I would I would put that with like being woke. That whole thing where it started out, that was something that somebody black would say about somebody white. And then somewhere along the line, it was something that white people bestowed on themselves. It's like you're woke. Why? Because well, you say so. <laughs> like there's no checks and balances. That's a closed fucking circle. I've observed my own behavior and I've decided <laughs> that I am a forward thinking person. It's a fucking sketch. There's like, I've seen over here, they have that written on like yoga pants. I saw this woman going to get on a plane. Um, I got this sort of running joke I do with Rachel Feinstein, where we just, just people like that, like people who like are, are, are like trying to teach you how to live a better life like on like Instagram. You know, they have like paragraphs of self-help oh, tattooed me. on their body, just in case you're behind them and you need to read something because they got it all figured out. <laughs> and this is my wisdom, which is actually somebody else's quote, but I want you to know what I live by. Just making fun. I took a picture of this woman. She had these yoga pants on. It says, uh, you know, be kind, but take no shit. You know, woke bitch and all this stupid shit about how badass and forward thinking she was. And it's just, it never dawned on you that those are mass produced <laughs> and that anybody can buy those. And you didn't have to pass any fucking test to go in there <laughs> and buy those. You could be in the fucking clan and buy those as a joke. And wear them to one of those burning cross rallies in the middle of the fucking woods. It's the <laughs> stupidest fucking thing ever. But like, they're so fucking up their own ass that I, I really think, um, I don't know what the moment is going to be, but it's going to be, it's going to go the way of old music. Mm. Disco, grunge, you know, new metal and everything where it just evolves into something else. And then everybody's going to pretend like <laughs> they never did that. And I think they're going to be going back on Twitter, scrubbing their uh woke signaling mm. horseshit I hope because this- it, it it's, it's not um what they're claiming to be is not achievable as human beings which is i am not flawed at all mm. i never think anything sexist i never think anything wrong i never think anything racist you know like the, like if you if your whole barometer is i'm not in a clan the clan therefore i'm not racist you're really not listening to your inner monologue and i'm not saying like you walk around thinking hateful shit it's just the amount of times you look at something and make a judgment and it's completely 180 the other way that happens to me all the fucking time and the more the sun goes down and it gets scarier to be out the worse my fucking thoughts are about people so and I don't think I'm unique in that. So, uh, you know, I, 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 there's no way I could ever advocate canceling somebody with not having a voice in the back of my head going, yeah, but what about you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can record you know, this. Use it for Saturday. Well, I already did it on your show, so I'm <laughs> one and done with this. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of unexamined people that, they're, that are, think they're heroes. Yeah. Well, I know, I know, I know the, um, the flight sound is very unlikable for you but australia's doing okay if you want to quarantine for 14 days in australia you're more than welcome what if i already got the vaccine well actually i don't know what does that i don't know you guys recognize that down there 
I'm looking at Zig. He's he seems unsure. I have no fucking idea. But I know you like you guys have the vaccine down there. It's, or, yeah, or no? it's it's being rolled out much slower though. But I know like last month, Russell Howard toured. Daniel Sloss is here in a couple of weeks. But yeah, they've got a. Like, Are they doing shows inside yeah, in yeah. venues? Yeah, but like it's packed houses. I'm like as you know the seated capacity and 75 percent I think, but like still performing in front of crowd. But I think it's well, like, well, shit. What am I doing the internet for? <laughs> I should have gone over there. Well, though it's complex. You got to get tested like every day up until tested before you get on the plane. Tested after you I get off the plane. Really, it doesn't even bother me anymore, dude. I, I don't even feel it. I just I just had one. My daughter caught a cold from some kid at school, so we just had to make sure it wasn't COVID. Turned out it wasn't. But like the lady came up, and I'm like, all right, here we go. She just. I can, I can literally stand there where someone takes a Q-tip this long, puts it up my nose, and I don't even flinch anymore. <laughs> well, fuck, if, if you want to quarantine for 15 days, I mean, like, it's, it'd be good to be performing I don't. People. You don't want to quarantine. For 15 fucking days? I, I got too much of a life back. I, I, don't, I don't have, I feel like I don't have 15 minutes to myself. 15 days? Well, the option's there if you want, but apparently not. I like that. I like the way he did that. The option's there, but apparently not. So there we go. We got a little com- uh, a little controversy. Someone's going to take that little clip and be like, Bill Burr says no to Australia. <laughs> He'll do it in his pajamas from his, from his living room. If the, quarant- sorry, the quarantine, if the vaccine gets rolled out and everything's okay, will you just be going on tour for an indefinite amount of time? Like, will you, would you want to come to Australia and the UK and Europe if you are allowed to travel? Or are you kind of happy yeah, being absolutely. throughout America? I would, I would just do it around my kids' school year so. Um, that's just how I do it now. So, um, you know, being a dad is, is, is definitely changed the way I tour, but, uh, it's made me like a better comic and everything. And, and I'll make sure that I, I get to all of these places, um, as, as, as much as I can, but like, you know, I also don't want to, you know, one of the great things about this quarantine is I got to be home for the whole year, you mm-hmm. know, taught my daughter how to ride a bicycle. It's like one of the biggest thrills I've ever had in my life. It's, you know, totally eclipses SNL and Star Wars and all that to just see the look on their face. It's like you taught them how to fly. It's the greatest thing ever. So um, it hasn't been all bad, but I definitely, um, you know, I I miss going out and just being an idiot on stage Mm. and just like my favorite thing was to see the people in the crowd that probably got brought there didn't necessarily want to go and breaking them, getting them finally where they're just shaking their head and they have to laugh. That's like one of my favorite, favorite things. Because I got to be honest with you, a lot of people that have allegedly got upset uh, with shit that I've said, I always look at them like, if I hung out with that person for 15 minutes, we'd, we'd be getting along. You know, you, you don't know who somebody is by listening to a joke or a tweet. You know what I mean? This is, I've this, talked to you for I've talked to you for almost a fucking hour. I, I don't you know I don't know I don't know anything about you. You know what I mean? But it's but if I so then what? I'm going to watch one clip from an interview and be let me tell you something about Neil. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he's the typical finish the stupid. sentence, Bill. The typical what? Uh, you know, the typical fucking know it all, fucking whatever they would say, whatever those terms are. Well, that's good. I was going to say, the, the amount of people that said, hey, can you get Bill to tell me to go fuck myself? Maybe you should do that for Cameo. You'd make a lot of money. It would only take like seven seconds of video. All right. Well, I'll keep that in my back pocket. <laughs> oh, you know, man. I heard one of the great things in, in, in my life when the first time I went to Australia. I was in a bar and I heard this guy say, I'll headbutt your teeth, you fucking cunt. 
And I was just like, wow, man. What did you say to make him say that? No, 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 no. I, 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 I didn't say anything. It was somebody. No, what, what did you say to make him? I might have been an Australian comic talking about some asshole in the crowd. Right, right, right. Okay. Jesus And it Christ. just was such a specific. In the, dude, the headbutt is, is it's fucking hardcore, right? Because <laughs> it's just. <laughs> and in the teeth too. me the face you're gonna hurt your hand but you know you start messing with your hard drive it's like you're a <laughs> lunatic and then also just feeling somebody's head smashing against your teeth i just can't imagine the pain of that and i was like yeah this guy is uh this guy's dialed in on the violence over here <laughs> man i can't wait for saturday bill thank you for coming on man i really appreciate no it. worries I'm such thank a big you for fan. helping me promote and i'll see you guys thanks bill we'll appreciate it man. thank you neil yeah that was awesome i really appreciate it thanks man i can't wait see ya. That's the episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Mr. Bill Burr, one of the all-time greats, for coming on the show again. His virtual stand-up show for Australia and New Zealand only is going ahead tomorrow night, Saturday, 27th of March from 6 p.m. Head over to NowhereComedyClub.com for more for details. Oh, sorry, take a beat. Head over to NowhereComedyClub.com for details on tickets or check out themusic.com.au. Ticket links are there be one of the many people on Zoom, and if Bill calls you out, well, that could be fun. It could be awful for you, but it's still funny either way. Thank you for listening. Head over to thepodcast.com.au for previous episodes of The Green Room Podcast and other shows, including The Take with Willie Mason, That Sucks, and Rewind with Steve Bell. We'll talk again next week. Neil Griffiths is a podcast from the Handshake Agency Network, produced by Neil Griffiths, recorded and engineered by Zig Parker, executive producer Craig Treweek.